Come on, listen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. I don't care what you're going through. I want you to say he's God. I, 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 don't, I know your body may not feel strong right now. Say he's God. He's God. I know you may feel a little depression in this season, but say he's God. He's God. Come on, come on, come on. I know, I know your joy is a little low right now, but I want you to just minister to yourself and say he's God. He's Come on, come on. Why I'm telling you to say he's God? Because he's a healer. He's Jehovah Rapha who heals. He's Jehovah Nisi, your banner. He's Jehovah, he's Jehovah Rapha who can heal. Listen, he is God. He's anything you need him to be in your life right now. Come on, let's praise him for being God. Hallelujah. We're in the third week of our One Another series, and Bob told us, to serve one another and teach one another. When Pastor Bob told us to serve one another in Galatians 5, Paul talks about how it is for freedom that we, in Christ that, we, that Christ has set us free. And we are called to serve one another in that freedom. In that same vein this week, Paul calls us this week to serve one another in that same spirit by bearing one another's burdens. So I'm going to lift Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 5 this morning in your hearing. Here is the word of the Lord. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that I was written in the past was written to us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance, encouragement, give you the same attitude and mind towards one another that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, one voice, you may glorify the God, the Father of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you and we honor you because you are God. God, you are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through our minds. Speak with our hearts. Love with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children say, Amen. 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 We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. For the time that's mine, I just want to preach for a little while this morning, bearing one another's burdens. Bearing one another's burdens. Pastor Bob, I'm clear that all of us in this room, if we can be honest, have strengths and we also have weaknesses. Our strengths are something that we want to take on. But Marjorie, our weaknesses are something we want to take off. Rashima, our strength is what we want to display. But our weaknesses are something that we want to hide. We want to take off weaknesses and businesses 
in business so that people who are stronger can exploit my weaknesses. We want to take off weaknesses in the world so that we are the survivor of the fittest. We want to take off weaknesses in sports so that our opponent is not dominating us. We want to take off weaknesses so that we are not the poor or powerless. Grace City, we take off our weaknesses and put on strength. Strength and weaknesses in our culture and is viewed as physical. It can be viewed as emotional. But I want you to understand that strength and weaknesses is also viewed spiritually. You know, my daughter struggles in this area because she is in a sport where statistically you have to show yourself strong, but spiritually she has to hold her spiritual ground. You know, as she's been playing basketball since she was eight years old, and I'll never forget, you know, I'm one of those, Rasheem and I, uh, we're not a, the best version of ourselves when we are in the gym at times. And so uh, there are moments when, uh, you know, I'm glad they don't have cameras to show you your pastor at that time uh, because it's just not pretty. But there are times when um, I'm trying to encourage my daughter to show her strength. And one time I was fussing with her. Uh, because, again, you know, this is a competitive sport. And um, she turned to me one time and dealt with me in my spirit, and I will never forget this. I was like, and I, I'll just say, I'm going to say what I said. I said, listen, you, 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 you got to stop playing like that. You have to, you, you got to destroy them. You can't keep playing. You're better than them. That's how I was parenting in that moment, in Jesus' name. And she turned to me, Paula, and said, Daddy, I don't want to destroy anyone. She said, Daddy, she said, I don't want to, I'm not better than, why do you have to say I'm better than? Why can't we just be on the team and do things to make each other better? And I had to sit down even as a pastor in that moment. She, she, she had to help me. And, uh, and I shot a video of a school that's recruiting her. And the recruiter had a conference call with Corey to talk about her play. This recruiter met with Corey to discuss how she played. She said, he, and this is what the computer, what the, what the, what the recruiter said, it kind of confirmed how I was parenting. <laughs> he said, you didn't take advantage of the opportunity to look strong. He said, you are obviously a better player. Dominate, you got to dominate the players of other girls. He said, because you, when you do not dominate the weaker player, you look average. He said, in order to look above average, you have to dominate the weaker players. By dominating, it separates you from the average. He said, you had the opportunity to steal the ball, but you didn't. You had the opportunity to block someone's shot, but you didn't. You had the opportunity to dominate the boards, but you didn't. He said, Player, playing against weaker is an opportunity to highlight your strengths, is what he said. He said, if you destroy the players that are weak and not the, you, you, if you destroy them, he said, you show yourself as strong. He then goes on to explain why he says this. He says, 
I'm not comparing you just to other high school kids your age. He said, as a recruiter, I'm looking at the transfer portal, players in junior college, as well as players overseas. I am comparing your ability to those who have more experience and more strength. He said, I have 12, a 12 lady roster spot and I'm looking at who's strong enough to take one of those and to separate yourself from the rest. She said, he said, you must create distance between you, watch this, and the weaker player. Grace City, this attitude and perspective in the world we live in makes sense, especially in basketball, when 7% of all, bas all kids playing basketball, only 7% will ever make it to varsity. Only 2% of all the kids playing basketball right now will make it to college and play for college. And only 1% will play Division I ball. We understand why people in sport and in business want to take off weakness. But the question for us this morning as Christians, why do we take that mentality in the kingdom of God? Why do we act like God is comparing us with one another that he was limit, that we have limited spots in heaven? I get it if you're a Jehovah Witness when you think it's only 144,000 spots in heaven, but as Christians, why do we think less fortunate, less experience, less opportunity, less resources, and less mature in the culture and in society? It's why do we think of people like that the same way as the world? We are not to dominate those who are weaker, but we are to bear their burdens so that they can get stronger. This is the problem. We are the kingdom of God, and we are called to function in one body. There is no comparison in God's kingdom. There is no measuring up. Let me give you some bad news this morning. None of us measure up. None of us can measure up for the kingdom of God. Doesn't, God doesn't look at your pedigree. God doesn't look at your college degree. God doesn't look at a PhD or a GED. God is looking at his son. He makes us worthy for God is not what you do. It is what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Jesus worked on the cross to bear the burdens of those who are weak. Grace City, we're called to strengthen one another, bearing one another's. My point is that we are trained to take off the weak and grab hold of the strong. But this is counterintuitive to the mindset of the kingdom of God. We take hold of the weak so that we can be made strong. God makes us stronger through grace. The grace is the gift that God gave us in which he carried our burdens at our weakest moments and our sinful moments that we may be strengthened. That is the gospel. Grace City, the weak are those who think they, well, let me really tell you who the weak is. The weak are those who think they're able to navigate this life in their own strength and make themselves worthy for the kingdom of God through their own efforts. But Grace City, that is not the weak. That is the weak. The strong are those who understand that God's grace is the only way that is poor in spirit that we need a God to move us through this life. I'm not making that up. Roman 5 says it this way, you see it at just the right time when we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Here's your scripture. Here it is. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners, while we were weak, Christ died for you and for me. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church of Corinth. Let me prove it to you. He writes to the church of Corinth. He said, three times I needed you to take off this weakness of mine because I need to show strength. I'm moving the church. I want to be strong. Three times he said, take this thorn, this burden from me. And then God said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. For when I am weak, watch this, y'all, then I am made strong. Well, Grace City, if you are the body of Christ and Christ took hold of our weakness and made us strong, then what are we to do for one another? I tell you, church, we are called to bear each other's burdens so that we can strengthen one another. Listen, Moses had a weakness, but guess what? He was still, a, he couldn't talk. He had a weakness, but he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Jeremiah had a weakness. <laughs> Jeremiah was too young. He, was, he wasn't smart enough. He couldn't talk well enough. But guess what? It, that, that word became like fire shut up in his bone. Oh, oh, you know cussing Peter. Cussing Peter will cuss you out, cut you, and deny you. But guess what? The Bible, the Bible says, Jesus said, on, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Be why? Because you in that, when that, when that, when that beautiful power of strength of God touches your life, the, 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 that, that beautiful, that beautiful, that beautiful, that beautiful weakness becomes strong when God grabs hold of you and me. <laughs> and I'll text this morning, Paul is calling the church of Rome that they are called to bear one another's burden. Church, they are arguing and debating over dietary law. Can I eat pork chops and drink or can I not? Do I have to have juices and berries or can I eat pork chops is what they arguing over. And Paul is looking at this argument. And he's saying to them, will you stop majoring in the minors and minoring on the majors? Paul looks at this argument and says, what in the world are you doing as the church? Why are you arguing over matters that really doesn't matter? He says, I want you to look at it another way. If they are motivated to eat vegetables because they think it glorifies me, and you're motivated because you have a freedom in Christ that frees you to eat whatever you want, both motivations are pleasing me. <laughs> are you okay with that? <laughs> Whoa, I come to get somebody this morning because sometimes we have these major and minor arguments in the body of Christ. I don't think God cares whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I don't think God cares whether you eat 
or drink what you eat or drink. Listen, he says, I, it is me and me alone that makes us righteous, not in our efforts, not in our ability. So whenever we take our legalistic mind to try to make things right, he says, no, don't do that. But then he says to those of you who freedom and you walk around like, hey, I'm free in God. He said, watch it. You be careful too because I don't want you to have a superiority in what you think right. He says, stop that. Because both is at risk. Those who had freedom <laughs> had some superiority in the kingdom. Uh, and those who old-fashioned trying to earn their way, you don't know what you're talking about. You, 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 you're just ignorant. And Paul brings this two groups in together and basically says enough is enough. But he does something that I've been arguing for a long time in the church. He says, and he classifies the weak and the strong. Paul says, those who think they can earn their way to the kingdom of God are the weak. And those who are walking in the freedom of Christ, you are the strong. But here it is. Guess what, y'all? The strong and the weak. You win, right? Freedom in Christ, that argument, we win. But this is what he says. Now, you who are strong, I want you to bear the burdens of the weak. He put the responsibility of the transformation of the weak on the strong. See, some of us get comfortable because we're right. <laughs> we, hey, <laughs> I got you. I posted, my argument was right. And God is saying, right is not enough. Because right doesn't come at the expense of the unity of the body. Because if the body is divided, everybody loses. Good God Almighty. So he brings these two parties together. And he tells the strong, he says, this is how I want you to use your freedom. He says, I want you to use your freedom in a way that whatever decision you make, help to not be a stumbling block for those who are weak. He says, if you go in an environment and people have taken pork chops as something that's connected to their faith and they can't disconnect that because their faith is not strong enough, he says to the strong, don't eat pork chops. He says, it's not about your freedom. As a matter of fact, it is about your freedom. Because you know that this has nothing to do with salvation, choose to connect the unity of the body. <laughs> and this is what's hard for us. <laughs> and I, 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 every time I see it in the scripture, I'm going to put the, the burden and responsibility of unity always falls on the strong. The burden of unity always falls on the strong. And I know it's hard because sometimes we are the victims in the situation and we're waiting for somebody else to apologize 
The problem is you're the strong. <laughs> and that sometimes it takes you. The scriptures, all through the scripture, God put the burden of responsibility on those who are mature. Those who are strong. Those who are more powerful in the kingdom of God. So he calls us, church, to bear one another's burdens. Well, Paul, why do you tell us to bear one another's burdens? When we bear one another's burdens, it calls the good out of our neighbor. When we bear one another's burden, it calls the good out of our neighbor. Here it is. For we who are strong are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good. Watch this. To build them up. Paul calls them to bear with one another's weaknesses. This is the problem with bearing one another's weakness. We have to we have this need, church, and I'm going to repeat this again. We have this need that we have this need in the kingdom of God, and even what they were dealing with here, Paul, I believe, is dress, addressing, that we have this need when we face-to-face -face is we need to be right. And Paul is challenging them, don't go after right. Go after your neighbor being good. Don't go after being right. Go after your neighbor being right. In other words, if you don't have to major, if this is not a major issue, you don't have to major in the minors and minor in the majors. He says, because, listen, the ultimate goal is to bring unity and wholeness in the body. L listen, 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 listen. I, 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 one of the central things that helps me with this particular passage is Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, I ask myself the question, when Jesus went to trial in Mark chapter 14, what if Jesus had to be right? What if Jesus, when he was put to trial, watch this, y'all. They put him to trial. They lay out a false, they lay out a false position, a false defense on Jesus. And what if Jesus had to be right and defended himself like many of us do, had to bring a strong defense, the question would be, where would I be? Where would I be if Jesus made a strong enough defense to make him right and we be wrong? But this is the power of the gospel. And this is the power of taking on the burden. He at that time when they laid out the fence, the Bible says that when they were laying out this false defense, guess what Jesus did? He said nothing. And then it goes down to the scripture, and then the Jewish people ask him, are you the son of God? And he said, yes. And when Jesus stood in being the son of God, guess what happened? He went to the cross 
But guess what? We were made good. Through the burden, through the insult, through the pain. That, that we Sometimes we have to carry one another's burdens so that our neighbor can be made good. A central part of the gospel is that Jesus took on the burden so that we could be good. That word batezo, it means to take on. Watch this. Not just take on with our hands, but take on what's in others' hands and hearts and take that on to us so that they can see the good. Wow. Ray City, we called to take on one another's burdens. If you are the strong, your ultimate goal is to help the other, the neighbor, to be good. <laughs> That's the agenda, church. Not right, good. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, not right, but good. <laughs> Make the neighbor good. Paula, I want you to be good. We have an urban idiosyncrasy that we say, are you good? You good? You good? That's what I want, church. I want you to be good. I don't need to be right. <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. Y'all mad with me. Second thing, <laughs> you won't be right. I know, I know, I know you mad. <laughs> so the first thing it says is that you bear one of the burdens for the good of our neighbor. The second thing we see is bear one another's burden for God's glory. Grace City, I need us to understand, no matter what we, how we indoctrinate ourselves with faith in this time and this day and age and what's going on in the world, God gets no glory out of disunity in the body. I don't care what, I, don't, I cannot find that in scripture where disunity of the body, God gets any glory out of. God calls us to bear one another's burden so that, watch this church, that he will get glory out of that. Listen to the scripture. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind, watch this, one voice, you may glorify God the Father who is Jesus Christ. Paul calls us to bear each other's burden because it glorifies God. Paul is clear what glorifies God. It's unity in this body. Listen, we got to bear each other's burden. We cannot tear each other apart. The church cannot, I don't care what the world does, the church as a whole has to be the place where we bear each other's burden. And here it is, and this is where we get trapped. This is where we get trapped. In this same argument, this is where we make the mistake. You have the people who have the freedom in Christ, right? He said they're the strong, and people who doesn't. Have, watch this, y'all. People who are strong, who have this freedom, this is the point he's making. Freedom does not dictate conduct. Love does. Your freedom does not dictate your conduct. Your love does. Because sometimes I can love you enough that I don't take advantage of my freedom. 
I may have the right, but I don't exercise the right for you because I love you. There are things I might want to say, but I don't say because of my love for you. That's your freedom, y'all. You are free to move out of this thing however you conduct yourself in Christ's love in any way you choose to. Any way you choose to. That's the freedom we have in God. If you think my point is pork chops or not, you missed my message. But he brings them back to where the unity is. And here it is in Philippians 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made a human likeness, being found in appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Grace City, we're called to bear one another's burdens by seeing the good for our neighbors and glorifying God through the unity of our faith. Let me pray for us. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for this gift to bear each other's burdens. Thank you for the power and the responsibility you give to those who are strong. We get to exercise our freedom in Christ like never before. To love you the way Christ loves you. To love each other the way Christ loves us. We get, to, we get the freedom to exercise that. God, I thank you for the sacrificial love you made on the cross so that you would lift us out of our sin and brokenness and make us whole again. Let us be a community that do that same thing for one another. We're called to hold each other's burdens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for that sermon?